All right, all right, all right. Before we get too caught up in the Christmas lights and Christmas carols, we're going to take a moment to remind ourselves what Christmas is all about. Kids, grab your mask and come on down to the front here. Come up on stage, stand in the side wings, and listen to your parts as we tell the story. We're going to put on a little Christmas pageant for all of you. We have been rehearsing and practicing for about five minutes, so you know as much as I do how this will actually turn out. This version of the Christmas story will be raw and real, just like the first Christmas, and it is completely unrehearsed. We're going to use our talented children to give you a visual of that very first Christmas. Let me set the stage for you as they finish getting in place. We're starting our story in a little town called Bethlehem. Please enjoy this reenactment of the very first Christmas from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register to be counted, kind of like taking attendance of the whole country. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. And out in the fields nearby, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. Well, what did the sheep say? Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on earth on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds had said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see, what, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. This isn't really hurrying. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And, they, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Thank you, thank you. And let's give our wonderful actors a big round of applause. All right, thank you guys. That was wonderful. That's what makes the play so good. 
This morning we talked about Christmas joy. We talked about Christmas and, and how the joy develops, how joy partners with peace. And now we're going to be talking about joy discovered. And this should say Luke 2, 1 through 20. I'm not going to read all those verses tonight because our sheep and our shepherds and our Mary and Joseph did a good job of telling that story already. And that's where it's found. It's in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. There's a lot of things that are happening in the birth story of Jesus that we're not really aware of that aren't in necessarily the Bible, but they are in the facts of history, okay? So one of the facts that we see in the Bible that brings us, there's a Roman emperor who decrees a census, and this makes everyone from the house of David report to David's house in Bethlehem, right? So if if you came from the house of David, he was a descendant of those that came from Bethlehem, and so they needed to all report there. And this is a good way for indisputable evidence of God showing up, and everybody would know who was related to David. Okay, Everybody in the house of David would know because they had it in the books that their genealogies would point to this place, and they would all know that There'd be no dispute, especially, specifically David, and then Joseph, Jesus came from, that was his stepfather, came from the house of David. So Mary gives birth to her firstborn son, which was significant because she was a virgin when she conceived this baby, and so for it to be her firstborn is kind of important, right? So it helps with that evidence. And to those And to whom does God announce the birth of the Messiah? Who does he announce? Who do we see up here tonight? Who did the angel talk to? The shepherds out of the fields, right? At night. Shepherds in the line of David. Surprise, surprise. Right? The shepherds, when they heard the angels, they they obey and they go see the child. Their blessings is in the joy that they receive after the encounter of the Messiah. But my question is, how did the shepherds know where to go? How did they know where this baby would be born? They said, this would be a sign to you that the baby would be wrapped in swallowing, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Well, the town is packed with extras. There's hundreds of of mangers in this town. So how can they find a baby in all of this? But then they remember the words of the prophet of Micah, and Micah chapter 4, verse 8 says, As for you, Jerusalem, the citadel of God's people, and the citadel, as for you, it's Midgal Edgar, right? That's actually a place, that's actually a tower in Bethlehem. There's a watchtower in Bethlehem called Midgar Edgar, and, or Eder, and your royal might and power will come back to you again. The kingship will be restored to my precious Jerusalem. And this is where, also the site where Jacob buries Rachel. We studied that in Genesis. This is the same site. And this, when Rachel birthed Benjamin. He was supposed to be called Benani, the son of sorrow. 
son of my sorrow, maybe, but the son of sorrow. But then Jacob changes it to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Well, that's interesting because Jesus fills both of those as prophecies as well. Jesus becomes the man of sorrows that we read about in Isaiah 53.3, and he sits at the right hand of God, which we see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, and in Revelation in several places, but specifically chapter 4 is the lamb that was slain, um, the sitting at the right hand of God, which is where he would be in this story as well. So the history of Miguel uh, happens to be where the sacrificial lambs are born and raised for the Passover. So not only is it significant in the house of David, but it's significant in all of Jerusalem that all the Passover lambs come together at this place and they are raised there and they are inspected there. After they're inspected, you'll never guess what they do with these baby lambs that are the Passover lambs. They wrap them in swaddling clothes and lie them in a manger because that's going to be the Passover lamb for all of Israel. And so these shepherds would know exactly right where baby Jesus was placed. They didn't have to go house to house. They didn't have to go to all the stables in there and all the inns to find out where he was. They knew exactly right where it would go. And it would make sense that Mary would go there to have baby Jesus because who would take better care of you than those that bird lambs all the time, right? So this was probably, um, wouldn't be surprised if there was midwives there and things as well. And remember, they didn't celebrate the first Christmas with presents and everything and, and a big meal for the family. Uh, this was a census, it was an inconvenience, and it wasn't something that was, like, I was get it confused, like we were, we're taking our time out of our evening this, to praise the Lord and, and things, but that's not what they would do. They would, this would be the first time that the angels came, the first time it all came down. So these babies, lambs, they would have to be inspected at birth to be perfect without blemish. These shepherds would have a special skill set to welcome baby Jesus because you see the baby would have been lying in a stone trough to protect it right where the sacrificial lambs would have been inspected. The Passover lambs were the sacrificed animals as a deferred payment for our sins, which means until Jesus came, they needed to sacrifice lambs every single year to symbolize the perfect lamb that was going to come later on, which was Jesus. And God gave his son as the Passover lamb to die for all sin for all time. He had him inspected. He made sure he was perfect, and he set them down in the altar so that he would be um, considered right and ready to be the Passover lamb. It all starts at this outpost in the tower of the city of David and Zion, called Migdal, translated in Proverbs 18.10 as strong tower, as I read this morning. Friends, Christ was born ready to die for the sins of the world, your sins and my sins. Because, but before we close with Silent Night this evening, do you know what Proverbs 18.10 says? It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower 
The righteous run to it and are safe. That could be translated as the name of the Lord is a migal eder. The righteous run to it and are safe. Who is running to the tower? It is the shepherds. He doesn't come for the kings. He comes for the common, and he, we rejoice in that. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We read in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and then verse 13. If you openly, describe, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you see the translation where God is setting this up for all time? And obviously Paul understood it because he understood the salvation factor that was there. Now, we don't have Jesus with us today. However, we know he went up to heaven, and he's waiting there for us. And there was 500 witnesses who saw it. We know he, pr he promises to come back, and when he does, he will eradicate all sin and anyone who finds their identity in sin. I ask you today, do you know if you're going to heaven or not, do you know if it's not a definite yes for that answer, then we need to have a conversation after the service tonight. The cost of allegiance to Jesus Christ, there is a cost. It's a moment of surrender, right? We have to surrender our will to the Lord, but it's worth eternal rewards. It's worth eternal joy. It's worth eternal peace that passes understanding and so much more. Righteous living is a peaceful living. And I can attest to that. So whether we're in times of great sorrow or triumph, the joy of the Lord is our strength. All right, girls, you got another big responsibility. You got your candles? Okay, so I need you to light them from one of these candles, probably the white one, it makes sense. And then you got to walk like this, right? So I want one of you to start with your ma and start one go over here to Susie. And we're going to pass the light on to those around us. And we're going to see what God has for us this evening as we close in silent night. Bible says, let your light shine so that, so that the people can see the good that you do, so they will praise your Father in heaven. Praise God for what he's done for us, amen? He has given so much. I just am grateful. As we go throughout this Christmas season, let's remember that he's the reason for the season, not us. He is the light of the world, not us. He is the changer. 
and we are his instruments to do the change. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for us, coming vulnerable as a baby, being born. Lord, for setting that perfect example, that perfect sacrifice. Lord, you're a God who loves us, who's willing to give up his son that you might save us. Lord, there's no greater love than this, that a man lay his life down for his sins and that for his friends' sins, and that is what you have done for us, Lord. Lord, we find our rest in that this evening. We find our peace and our joy in you. We ask that we would be able to go in peace and in your protection. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.